9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Go Plug Yourself podcast. I don't know if you've heard, but I mean, most of our listeners are in Canada, so hopefully you've heard. But we're about to have an election on Monday. That is four days from now, if I did my math correctly. Um, It's a crazy time of year. The elections always, and now with the pandemic, it's even crazier. And if you've been following the news, it's even crazier than all of that. Uh, So this week, we decided to have... uh, member of the Green Party, Sam Fairbrother, on to uh, talk a little bit about politics, but also more of his journey as uh, an environmentalist uh, from the Climate March in Montreal a couple years back to now running as a representative of the Green Party. Um, if you want to learn more about what Sam uh, stands for, you can obviously check out the, the Green Party's website, or you can just head to samfairbrother.ca and, uh, and find out a little bit more about his activities. Also, if you're listening to this and it is Thursday morning, September 16th, you can go to Gerard Park this afternoon and uh, have a, a bench chat with Sam. This is something that he's, uh, he's been doing as he wheels up to the election. At Gerard Park from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., you can go and chat uh, with Sam in the park. So if you're listening to this Thursday morning, uh, there's still time to go to his last uh, bench chat um, in Gerard uh, before the election. So you can actually go out and uh, meet him in person and maybe uh, talk to him and learn a little bit about uh, his values, the Green Party's values, uh, why you should vote, uh, what this means if the world is coming to an end in a climate disaster. Uh, spoilers, it kind of is. And uh, what that means to the future of not just Canada, but the entire planet. Anyway, Lawrence and I sit down, talk with Sam. It's a great chat. Enjoy the show. Go plug yourself, you plug mother plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug mother plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug mother plugger. Go plug yourself, it's time for another Go Plug Yourself podcast. Uh, Lawrence. I I, I want to know, hey, I realized when we booked this episode uh, that it felt like it was just very recently that we were having a federal election. And it was. <laughs> yep. It was only less than two years. Yes. Just under two years. Just under two years. Uh, it was I, one of the first episodes, I think, where you really like stepped up as co-host. And that was almost like two years ago. Yeah, it was, it was also, it was two, like less than two years ago, but it was also a different world ago. It was also <laughs> a completely different universe. Yeah. We, we were not ago. recording remotely. Because, we were at the back no, of no, Grumpy's. No. We were in the back of oh. a very loud and boisterous Grumpy's bar talking to the Green Party candidate, uh, who whose name was Green, which I remember. And yeah. And Robert it was Green, a, yeah, Robert, Robert Green. Green, and it was a gr- it was a great time. We had a good conversation, and then uh, the world fell apart. So now we have to, you know, our next election we have to talk remotely, which is different. But we're here. We're doing it. Why not? Yeah, it's it's also a reminder that the, the Canadian political system doesn't have terms, and it seems so fast. <laughs> it's just like. Uh, well, jump in at any time, Sam. You yeah, have, you well, it, well, it, it, it we haven't formally really. introduced you, but you look yeah. like you had something to you, say. Well, usually, so usually on podcasts, we would if we were good at podcasting, we would mention that our guest this week is Sam Fairbrother, who is the Green Party candidate in NDG Westmount and a student in social sci- or uh, environmental sciences at McGill. That's what we should yes. have done, 
But now that we have Robert done Greene's that, predecessor as the uh, as the the candidate for the NDG pre- uh, pre- predecessor is before he's after. Yes. So it's like, I am the successor. The successor. I am the successor to Robert Greene. You're not you're not tuning into this podcast for <laughs> words. You're tuning in for conversations <laughs> which have words. And look, maybe we've had big meals. Maybe we've all had a hefty meal right before, and we are <laughs> struggling to stay awake. This I don't know. Maybe that's specific to me. I don't know, but we're doing our best. <laughs> so I think what's important. Successor yeah. Robert Green, successor as yes. the the Cotonage uh, NDG writing. Uh, uh, NDG Co- Westmount. NDG Westmount. NDG Westmount. I just said Cotonage, it. They NDG always, is they always different. It. It's on a different <laughs> level. I think that might be the provincial. The provincial. Um, Oh. I think it's also uh, also local because uh, we had Sue Montgomery on, uh, who is the current mayor of the because the borough is C is oh. Cotonou NDG. Yeah, maybe so it, the maybe borough it's like is the municipal that, but the writings yeah. are different. Um, as as we as the opening of this podcast, politics are complicated, guys, and like writings and boroughs and, and everything else is just another layer of complication on top of it. But it's an election, and it's been less than uh, it's. I guess Sam, do you know the the exact time? My my guess is. I about, believe the last election was uh, October nineteenth. I want to say. Okay. I believe it was in later October, so we're one month short of that of it being two years. So 23 months, that's, again, so very, very fast. It is. Um, it's been, obviously, COVID has distorted time in both ways, where things seem mm-hmm. like it's been no time, and the other thing seems like it's been an eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember these dates really clearly because that was the time of a lot of turmoil in my life, in a positive way. Oh, okay. Um, positive turmoil. You don't always hear that. Yeah, my life had been pretty static for a while. I originally went to McGill in applied mathematics and it didn't go super well. <laughs> I, it was, it was just, there was a lot of things going wrong at once and it just was not working for me. So I took a break and I was working. I did a bit of traveling, you know, as one does in their early twenties. And two years ago, there was the climate March on September 27th, mm-hmm. which was one of the most important days of my life. And it really hit me hard. And I, I said to myself after that, uh, that I was going to do more, that I like this is an issue that is incredibly important. And and I, I need to like be acting on this. Um, it was it was a it was an amazing day. It was just a confluence of mm-hmm. weird, weird things happening. And, uh, you know, I, we went and got dumplings afterward and I opened a fortune cookie that said you have the power to turn a- evils to angels. You know, wow, this is the most fortune, fortune, cookie. fortune cookie I've ever Wait. got. <laughs> Wait, what the really? Yep, I, I keep it on my desk back that, there. Never it, that profound. That's amazing. My fortune cookies are never <laughs> that deep. I never have epic calls to I, action. My fortune cookies are like, you have a clear mind. Like, my fortune cookies yeah. don't give me that level of insight. Find yeah, the truth was, in yourself or whatever. It's like super vague. Like it platitudes. was just this, this weird conflict. Like, we, you know, we went and got dumplings and we went to Grumpy's to have some drinks after that. Yes. And I was just sitting there with my friends like, wow, this is amazing. Maybe I really do need to be, you know, doing more. I've always cared about these issues, but I felt powerless. Mm-hmm. Right? And I felt like I couldn't make a difference. Um, but I resolved on that day and have kept that resolve that it's not about it's about 
putting your best effort into it, right? Like this is a monumental thing to overcome climate right. change. But what matters is that I'm doing my best. I'm trying really hard, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I am going where I think I can be, you know, do the, do the most good really. Right. And so I, the, the day after that, I signed up with Robert Green to work mm -hmm. on in NDG. I was partially because I I'd heard he needed some help with volunteers, mm -hmm. and I've I had I think I've actually I may always have voted Green, but it was mostly just like a passive thing, like oh I'll vote for the Green Party because I like for them to have some support and would like right. that yeah. to grow as a party. Yeah. This mm -hmm. was the first time I became actively engaged in a political party, and then I reapplied to McGill in environmental sciences, mm. and started. Uh, the January after that, the climate march. So you have you you have this call to action. You have this moment that you've identified as being pivotal and really having an aha moment in your life, yeah. right? And for you, what about the Green Party and what about environmental sciences made you feel like this is the best path? This is what I have to do to make this change that I feel is necessary. So. I think it, it at the beginning it wasn't super well thought out to be honest. It was <laughs> it was it was it was some on the whim thinking, you know. It was the day after. I was like, you know what? I'm going to it was it was this this kind of moment that I've had a lot of my life where just spur of the moment I decide to throw myself into a new project. Uh, because you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't I wasn't that passionate about what I was doing. I was working in a record store before that, which was interesting in its own right, but it was, you know, ultimately a retail job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, and unless, so, unless you own the record store, you're like, where does this mean? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, where am I going with this? I'm learning a lot about music. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can rant for a long time about music now, but ultimately, well, it's, that's what know, the podcast is now. That's Sorry, right. guys, it's music. <laughs> no. I'm going to have, I'm I, gonna have I, to X out. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but just just to to to, uh, I, I find it just really really fascinating what you're saying about having that that aha moment because I find that's one of those things that a lot of people struggle and kind of look for, right? Like, I mean, I'm. Uh, if you, you said you're in your early 20s and that was two years ago, you, I'm quite a bit older than you because I'm like two years shy of 40. So like old man Keith, I guess, has, has I've always been sort of like aware and we have like a very, I guess, kind of like green household. We use a ton of reusable things. We try to reduce our waste. We try to reduce our carbon footprint. They have a so bidet. On and so forth. We do to reduce toilet paper waste. You know, it's a cold water, cold water to bidet. Yeah. Okay, I have, uh, I understand what you're going at, Keith, and I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, you. But but I go ahead. Uh, why don't bidets have like like hair dryers for your butt? Like, why do you still need to use? Well, that that would that would not help the carbon footprint though, because that'd be electricity. Oh, but how nice would it be though? <laughs> have we ever thought of this? Can we copyright this? Like Sam's going to do great at the election, but I think the three of us could rig some real bank. <laughs> if the bidet's like, ooh, just yeah. underneath, just, just like just, a just gentle breath. Red. Like imagine, like if someone, like imagine, like if someone is just like a gentle whistle, just like. <laughs> I think it would. And it plays like a jaunty tune. I know, but yeah, but all, all that to say is that, uh, like, I think to to the point that you were saying earlier, Sam, though, is that like whatever we do at the residential level, still the like the forces of climate change just seem so like cosmically bigger than us you yeah, know like like, like despite when... all of the green initiatives that i do personally i'm still like 
I know I'm a drop in the bucket. <laughs> you know, well, no, like... this is this is something I think a lot of people feel uh, feel right where it's like the majority of these emissions are not done by the by like individuals, right? These are corporate emissions in a long time, and a lot of people really resent this. Uh, this uh, when you know being judged for their um, their footprint and such because. Mm. You know, they don't always have the financial freedom to, you know, like eat organic. It's more expensive. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I like, can I afford the electric car? Right. No, I, that's, I can't. that's more expensive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how much is a Tesla at this point? It's, yeah, it, it's yeah. that much more expensive. And so it's in a lot of ways, uh, people really resent Exxon being like, you're, you're, you're trying to like, you buy reusable napkin, napkins and you look at Exxon and you're like, wait, what am I doing? Yeah, there was a <laughs> BP, BP tweeted at somebody. Or BP tweeted, yeah. I think in general, it was one of their business accounts. And I saw this as a screenshot, which I loved. BP tweeted like, oh, hey, what are you doing today? What pledge are you making to better the environment? And some guy's like, <laughs> I'm not going to drop a billion liters of oils in the Gulf of Mexico. How about that? And it's a weird feeling too, because again, you have all, don't, don't use straws. Don't you dare use straws. But then again, you have these mega corporations just polluting every day. And again, like to Keith's point, you feel like a grain of sand on the beach. And I think that's really unfortunate yeah. because mm-hmm. much as I said that these, you know, these problems are larger scale, and we should not be blaming the consumer for them. Sustainability on a smaller scale does make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the, the big problem to tackle is going to be these, these corporate emissions, right? The large scale, the massive amounts that are being done on that level. But once we have tackled that, we also want to tackle our, our day to day, you know, right. These, of course, like yeah. sustainability on a, on a, on an individual basis, isn't worthless at all. Right. Like no, it, no, 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 it no. is making no. a difference, it, but, but like you said, it feels so small compared to these. For sure. And, that, and that's, that, that's, I guess what, what I, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is um, you though felt i guess i mean i don't know what level of sustainability you were living at pre climate change march but you said like environmental issues were always kind of like they were always important close to, to me yeah but this was then kicking it into another level to be like i need to take action at a political level and like change the way we run our country essentially right like i mean yes. like canada is a monstrous exporter of goods and power in both oil and hydropower and just cutting down trees and exporting grain and so on and so forth. It's like we export our resources, which is just not great <laughs> if you're not doing it in a sustainable way. So it's yeah. like like we're, we're in a very like interesting, I find, spot as a G8 country with this massive amount of exports to sort of like, if we could, be the like set the path almost that others could potentially follow. Yeah. And I think that we really do have that potential. You know, Canada is considered pretty favorably in a lot of the world, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's heard the stories of Canadian travelers and everyone's really nice to you because you're Canadian. I have, mm-hmm. I have plenty of those myself from my time going down to the States where mm-hmm. I've been treated like super, super kindly by people. I don't know just because they figure out I'm Canadian. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so Canada has the, has a, has a certain power in that way also to look at, to make these cultural shifts towards mm-hmm. cleaner alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I got slightly sidetracked when we were talking about when I first had the oh, top it, th- call that to happens on the show. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Happens, You're yeah. not the first. You won't be the <laughs> last. Be the Getting sidetracked is very on yeah. brand. We have actually a chalkboard <laughs> where we're like, 
have we fucked up this guest's flow? And then we just have a bunch of checks going on. I think we're like we're like a hundred percent. Our batting average is really high. We're like yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah. doing really well. Yeah, we're not um, even talking just, about wrestling yet. No, so. zero. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to that. <laughs> it could happen at any time, sir. So if we wanted to pull the train back on track, then. So you mentioned yeah. you talked about individual sustainability, and you talked about the government needing for change. What are the main tenants of the Green Party system or the Green Party platform that you found attractive and that you felt the need to push and grow into Canadian politics? So the Green Party uh, platform has, it was actually just released today. Hooray. Oh. Uh, and then on Friday, the Quebec wing is releasing their own version of the platform, okay. particular to so this, Quebec. This, when this comes out, this will be a little bit before the election. This will come out on, I think, September 16th, I want to say. So both of them, I guess, will be available on the websites, right? Oh, the Green Party platform is it came out today. Yeah, but the Quebec version. Oh, the Quebec one is, is on Friday. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But this comes out on next week. Oh, this podcast. In, in oh, okay. Podcast Sorry, world, I thought you meant the. This is already out. You don't need to wait. And like, I don't want like. So this is going to come out next Thursday. Okay, wonderful. So, so yeah, so it's already out. So you can, I guess, you can, you can go to the Green Party plat. Uh, what's the website? It's greenparty.ca. Uh, is there and the Quebec yeah. website, Lawrence? Oh, I don't know. I just there's Googled. not. There's not. There isn't. <laughs> uh, there's not a Quebec ver version of the website. Yeah. I do not believe. So, Although you can visit my website at samfairbrother.ca. Oh, oh. Uh, and I guess that's go plug yourself. Some of the things that are I love it. Oh, so personally important. Um, sorry. Right. You so, you, so you. I will. I, I will so finish you, answering <laughs> your question. <laughs> I promise. Go for it. Yeah, so the climate plan has a lot of pieces to it, and a lot of them, I think, are relevant to Montrealers. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen recently in the United States a massive transport revamp. You know, this ma this gargantuan bill that looks at, like, completely redoing a lot of transportation in the United States, particularly looking at trains. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing in, in the Green Party platform that... Canada, like Canada's really, really bad at. If we're gonna be honest, like mm -hmm. Canadian trains are. I, 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 one of my friends was telling me that Joe Biden has more planned, um, you know, new pl train plans for Canada than than Trudeau does. Yeah, like, we're talking really... about commuter trains here, right? Like I was like, yeah, it's because they, they've been like trains, getting reduced well as, and reduced and reduced. As like intercity trains, mm -hmm. and also where we've been looking at a lot of trains to more rural areas to give mm -hmm. those people more accessibility to the city mm -hmm. and a lot of the important things you know available to them in that in that kind of sense um so the a big tr canada really needs to match the united states right now i think in that kind of massive transport overhaul looking yeah. at how we can continue to push our public transit and make that cleaner and cleaner as well as looking to do a lot of intercity kind of things commuter yeah. trains like they, and... they've been they've been talking about it for what feels like years like like i mean just again to like like when we know uh, and i guess most some of our listeners many of our listeners know like, like the carbon footprint of air travel is insanity it is right absolutely right? and then when you hear those commercials for airlines being like flights between montreal toronto every hour on the arrow hour and you're like but why and you're like and when yeah the flight is under an hour but like there is like you know high-speed train technology that would take you like 
an hour and a half, two hours, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, Hey, and with all, all the, the, the plane hassle. Exactly. That's it. Like, like trains are like remarkably green form of travel. Cause like once you get up to speed, you can just stay at speed and, and, and so on and so forth. And you don't need to take the tremendous amount of power to like get it into the sky and keep it yeah. there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I mean, the plane is an amazing invention. Really. I was it, like, every time I get into a plane, which isn't actually very often, I'm always just, it's, it is amazing that these things do can stay up up there, you know. It's very very cool, but and I mean, I, I know how it works. You know, I've looked into this and like yeah. all you know all the all the way with, and I I still I'm just like I can't believe it when I see it. Yeah, you know? you're like take a look at a building now. Imagine just it being in the sky. <laughs> like that's that's what a plane is doing all the time. But yeah, yeah. but in terms of like I said, the, the the carbon footprint when you consider it, and then you consider that Montreal Toronto is a flat straight line. It's... And you're like, and there's even rail tracks already running there that I guess like the land could be used, so on and so forth. There's a bunch of things that, you know, could could happen there, even if you had, didn't have to lay new tracks. And then it's just like, it's something that I believe, like I firmly believed when I was in high school, there would be a high, like a high speed train connecting Montreal to Toronto. It's, it and that was so like obvious. 1996, you know, like. And that, that whole triangle which people often extend like toronto ottawa and then to quebec city right and montreal mm -hmm. fits nicely into it there's yeah. there's really is no reason for us not to have these extremely heavily trafficked like lanes well, serviced was, by a high-speed train mentioning it that they were saying that i think like one of the proposed high-speed trains had the montreal toronto line in under an hour and a half Right. Like like that, yeah. that was like that was like one of the one of the, the high speed train propositions. And then someone had the hilarious comment of they were like, that's less than the normal Toronto commute. So <laughs> they were like living in Montreal and working in Toronto. It would be the same as like living in like uh, uh, what's like one of those like outlier cities that people commute to. Like Hamilton. Dundas. Yeah, like Dundas or whatever else. Like, you know, Oak like where Hill. you're like. Oakville, yeah, exactly. Oakville's an hour and a half out of town, you know, like in through traffic. So you're like, yeah, living in Montreal and then taking a high speed train to Toronto to get to work would be comparable to a normal Toronto commute. Which and like, is hilarious. <laughs> and and just and like I said, just completely mind boggling. It is that well, we, we we don't have that. It, this even, is like 2021. Even in a, in a in just in like a touristic sense, you know, like being able to go out for the evening and eat in the other city and then reasonably be able to get home, you know? Yeah. Or, and, and you know, I want to go watch the Habs play Toronto in Toronto. Oh, plug in <laughs> Habs. Uh, especially, like I said, uh, just talk, thinking about high-speed trains is that, like, I was in Taiwan a couple of years ago and, like, Taiwan has, like, a 600-kilometer-an-hour bullet train. And, like, Taiwan is not an incredibly wealthy country. Like, it's it's a well-established economy sure yeah they are. but you're, you're not sitting at they're not at the g8 table and canada is and like they can't get their two major cities connected you know like <laughs> no you know, it's like... and i mean i think this is especially relevant to ndg westmount as mr garneau is transport minister so oh. you know what what have you been doing mr garneau with your mandate um, just a quick little poke there. And yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm awesome jabs. But I mean, I'm happy that you you brought that up because Mark Garneau, you know, is in your writing. He's in the incumbent. hasn't lost in a long time. You know, he is the transport minister. When you're when you're going into an election and you know this is his writing and you want to make a splash, 
what do, what does success look like for the Green Party? What are the goals? What do you want to be able to do in this election that maybe you guys haven't done in previous elections? So our goal is to win, mm-hmm. quite simply, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's you know, very obvious. But, and a lot of people say, oh, how are you, you know, how are you ever going to be the liberals? Well, we just need enough people to decide that, that it's not throwing away their vote to go green, right. that mm-hmm. the Green Party has the platform that best represents them, and that the candidate is, you know, really cares about these issues and is, and is there for the community, right? Mm-hmm. You just need... A lot of things to go right. And yes, it's a lot of things uh, going right at once, you know, and they may not all, all go our way. But I think we're running a really good, camp, strong campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I, For me, and this will go back to, or this comes back to the uh, my story. The, the biggest thing for me is door-to-door canvassing. Okay. This mm-hmm. is, in a lot of reasons, why I'm here. So f- I signed up with Robert Green, and I did door-to-door canvassing most days of the week with him. I may have taken a day or two off, but I was doing it at least four or five days a week mm-hmm. for for October, the October. And I just found it extremely rewarding. I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I loved talking with people at the door about the issues. I thought it was I thought it was just getting to know my community, having these conversations, you know, there were a couple people who were skeptical about climate change that I was able to have that discussion with them. And, mm-hmm. You know, like, no, these are very real. This is a very real problem. <laughs> and you really should be, you know, keeping this in mind, you know, um, and having that kind those conversations was just, it was amazing for me. I, I this is it. this is why you're you're built for politics, Sam. Because if someone's like, I don't know about climate change, I would just be yelling at them. I'd be yelling at them at their house, at their door, and then they'd be like, I'm not voting for that guy. Well, <laughs> that guy came to my house and, and yelled at me about flooding. Yeah, I'm not like, voting. I can, <laughs> vote Heisterman if you want to get verbally abused in your vestibule. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you want to see someone get really angry at you when you have questions about climate change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so yeah, clearly you're built for it. If you can, if you can have those meaningful conversations conversations without just immediately flying off the handle because i sure. would personally and, and <laughs> i guess the way i've always seen it and perhaps this is naive of me is that when people are skeptical skeptical mm-hmm. about climate change when people have you know some beliefs that i really think should be changed you know i, I generally you know mm-hmm. my goal isn't to change everyone's beliefs but i think there are some things that are very important to get across um, there's a reason these people think this way, and often it's it's misinformation. Mm-hmm. You know, often like some, it's something the... something convinced them of like a falsehood, right? Yeah. Like when you when you even when you mention beliefs, right? Like I'm like, climate change is not uh, like. Do you believe in leprechauns? You know, like it's not like it's. No, you know what I mean. Like that's. Yeah, but it is framed. Either, yeah, there has been a misinformation. Way, right? Something science, has convinced them. Otherwise, science can be very confusing. I'm the first person to admit that and I'm studying it, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of these things are just not easy to understand at a lower level. And I think that that, that's a problem that I think quite a few scientists have is is bringing it to a level that's easy to understand for, for the average person, right? Because Mm -hmm. often in in science, you're, you're researching your specification and it's just beyond what anyone can understand, you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean it's invalid. It's just it needs the that kind of like translation to into simpler terms, right? Right. Is there? And one I think... the, it's one of those things that sorry. There's like what like I have this conversation a lot with. I find 
at least climate change to me has gotten become easier. I, I work with a lot of I work with a lot of people who are in their like fifties and stuff. So there are like some some climate change like they're like the weather changes. That's normal. And I was like, remember the nineties when there was always snow in December, like always. And now it's been like 10 years where there isn't snow. And I'm like, that's a like, you can observe that. There's a lot of other things going on, but I'm like, but you can observe that. I'm like, winter is different now. And I'm like, I'm not that old and winter from like my childhood to now. I mean, like same, you know, demonstrably like, different. <laughs> you know, it like, is. I remember I like, a, I, uh, there were some people, some new friends I made who would move to Montreal and I was telling them about like, some of Montreal's like patterns, although Montreal is always unpredictable in its weather. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, you know, like talking about like when it snows, and I'm like, I'm just wrong now, aren't I? Yeah. Like yeah. all of these things that I that I thought were like, you know, the common knowledge, you know, this is what Montreal winters are like. It's it's yeah. just wrong. It, it's we don't we typically in the last like literally in the last decade don't have any significant snowstorms until January, whereas like. I remember in childhood, there'd be like snow cover in November. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like that was like, I'm just like, that's, that's now a different thing. And I can only imagine if you're 50 and like, like 15, 20 years older than me, it must be even crazier. And I'm like, like, just, just think about that. And I'm like, like, that's, I think that's one of the very like good, um, like rebrands that environmentalists have done is like to, move away from global warming and just say climate change right because yeah. it's like 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 global warming i think not everybody could get their head around they're like it's not warmer yeah, or yeah whatever you're gonna have some, you're gonna have, there's in, <laughs> there's invariably one asshole who is gonna go out in minus 40 weather and goes how can there be global warming if it's cold yeah. right now <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, how is it not warm mr global warm and you have to go if like, i had a long time to sit with this person and they yeah. were open-minded i could explain that's, how that's too, but you're well, asking for I mean, melting of the you're asking for two things I don't think you're going to get, right? Like you very eloquently said that the science is not accessible in some cases. How do well, you balance trying to I, give people this knowledge and also have it be accessible for people like me who aren't science folks? I'll be honest. I think I'm very good at explaining science in simpler terms. Okay. So like, I could describe a, uh, a climate change process right now if you'd like i don't have you heard of earth's albedo no. earth's libido <laughs> you know what my brain went like, there but i didn't like, want to like, like when mother nature and father time put the kids to bed and they're like making eye contact they're like look we have and boom we have a there's a new hours. planet exactly so this is one of this is a very important um what's called a positive feedback loop which is something that gets worse and worse it feeds itself basically. So okay. the Earth's albedo means how, basically, how dark is the Earth? So this is an intuitive way to think about it is if you're wearing a white shirt or mm -hmm. a black shirt, mm -hmm. you're much hotter in the black shirt in the sun, right? Because black absorbs much more energy mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. white reflects much more energy, right? right? It's we, we, we all know this from, you know, like what we pick to wear, you know, when we right. go outside, right? right? Now, what is the lightest thing on planet Earth as a surface. It's the ice caps. You know, the ice caps are extremely, extremely, you know, white, white and, reflect and reflective. A, yeah. <laughs> they reflect a huge amount of solar radiation away and therefore heat away from the Earth. What's something that's very dark? The oceans. Mm -hmm. you, know, mm. you look at the oceans on, uh, you know, like on a map of the globe, and the oceans are very dark. Mm hmm. 
And so when the ice caps melt, Earth is reflecting less and less heat away due to its albedo. So basically, oh. okay, so there's more... That's why the oceans are getting hotter at a way faster level is because there's more dark ocean than light ice cap? Yes. So this is one of the reasons that global warming is happening in this way, is that the less ice caps we have, the less they have the ability to reflect the sun's heat can we, away can we from just, the Earth. Can we just refreeze them, though? <laughs> Let's just well, refreeze them. It's, it's hard to refreeze them when global temperatures are rising for other reasons as well. Oh, like greenhouse right. gas emissions and, and, and refreezing. All that. Like if, if, it was, is, if it was just that, <laughs> maybe refreezing could... is we don't have a great process of doing that mm. right now. So th this is this is one of like I said, I think one of the big things. And then you can one of the reasons that people that it doesn't always get warmer places is that Earth's currents in the oceans uh, function largely to redistribute heat around the mm -hmm. globe. Mm. Right, so it the currents move heat away from the equator towards more northern um, latitudes. Latitudes is height, and longitudes is width. width. I, I think I, think, I always I think forget. that's right. I, I mix those two up constantly. So, so these currents that distribute heat around the globe more evenly are being disrupted really heavily by the melting of the ice caps mm -hmm. because the salinity level of water is changing. Right, because the there's no there isn't salt in the ice caps. There is in the ocean. So as the ice caps melt, they become less salty, and the these processes, which it's called a thermohaline current, that that bring heat away from the equator are weaker and weaker. So mm -hmm. in some regions, we are going to see cooling because less heat is being moved away from the equator. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so, uh, get I get all of that. And now I'm just to, to bring it back, I guess, to 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 the Green Party and, and politics. There's like and I don't want it to be like ultra like scary and fear mongering or, or, or whatever. But it's like every single, I guess, like election cycle year leader that doesn't like hit the brakes on whatever our current like energy and climate and, and so on policies are that we go by, we're like, we're losing time, right? Like not to be like ultra doomsday about it, but like, like that we, we hear in the news and stuff that you're like, every couple of years, it seems, we've passed like yet another point of no return. Or like there's this point of no return that we're, we, we passed it. There's another point of no return. Oh, we passed it. So it's like, like the, how do you balance, I guess, your day-to-day -day experiences and uh, I guess like, like political activism and going door to door with out, I guess, like just like panicking and, and screaming <laughs> in fear <laughs> that like well, that you're like, like, oh, if we don't get it this time, we're going to pass another point of no return. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's so I think I would I think there's I have two answers for that question. I really mm -hmm. like the question. Well, the first is that. The climate climate change, there, there are these like markers of like points of no return, but ultimately our actions are still going to be mitigating the problem. We climate right. change is here. We can't stop climate change. You know, yeah. like it's arrived. Mm -hmm. But how severe it is, we we can control. There's right. you know, there's even if you know mm -hmm. this election the Greens don't win massively and are, are able to, you know, really change what Canada's doing. And even then, Canada is only one country in the world, you know, it's it's hard. 
But ultimately, what we do and how we change the way our society works, even if it is slowly, will make a difference to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, if we right. if we we may not reach the targets that we like the most you know, the targets we need to, but even not quite reaching those, it'll let us recover better from there, perhaps. And so yeah. this comes into the second point, which is that we need to achieve basically zero net zero emissions in a lot yeah. of ways. Mm -hmm. But also, there is potentially technology to reverse some of these effects. Mm -hmm. And we need to continue to invest into this so that it becomes, you know, actually usable because right now it's a lot of it's in its theoretical states yeah but also but like all, all of the sustainability in the world isn't going to remove carbon from the atmosphere right we're already at a level of carbon in the atmosphere that's far too high and that level is going to be added to considerably before we actually get to net zero emissions and yeah. at that point what do we do well there is a technology called carbon sequestration technology which mm -hmm. draws carbon from the atmosphere into uh, and out of it right mm -hmm. now it is not good enough to like act, do it at like, a wide scale, large scale. Yeah. but it could potentially do that and once we've achieved low emissions or zero emissions and sustainability then this kind of technology can help bring us back you know we have gone past a certain point and it is going to be very difficult Mm -hmm. And a lot of these erratic weather patterns, heat waves, droughts, fires, we're going to see these, but it's not, you know, the earth is not doomed. Yeah, we, I, 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 I read an interesting article where they were talking about, like, I mean, again, I don't, it's not to say, like, it'll be fine, but they were just saying, like, the one thing that I guess scientists don't know is what the turnaround looks like, right? Because like some people point, some people point a lot to the 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 hole in the ozone layer and how quickly that repaired itself. They were like, we don't, we don't know, no, we know it's different, but we're like, and we know that we're maybe not going to get back to where we were. But they were like, we don't know what the, the real, because it's never happened before that we have had the turnaround. No. So they were like, that's the one, I guess, not to say silver lining, but they were like, what like to your point, I think, is that like we still like everything does help and it is going to make it whatever it does look like we don't know exactly what it's going to look like because we haven't course corrected yet so like that's like the one unknown factor is that we're like there's a possibility at least that there is a way out and maybe not is, the way things were but some way out. i i just i don't know i just think about in a, a longer period of time you know like yeah. way down the line when these problems are getting fixed and how much our little decisions now will matter then, mm -hmm. you know, like our decisions as to what we do to be more green right now might make the difference between it being 80 to a hundred years until we're more stable or yeah. two to 300 years. Before yeah, exactly. We're stable. Like if we can really cut down heavily and properly invest into our green technology now, then we can really, really lower the amount of time it takes to hit that recovery point and back to, you know, a healthier planet, which we right. really just don't have right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's very uh, so obvious. I guess, you know? Something I also wanted to to ask uh, ask about is, I mean, obviously, 
the the Green Party are the, are the champions for the environmental issues. Yeah. I think that the the current administration has a lot of warranted criticism against it for maybe not taking the environmental issues uh, as seriously. There's a lot of lip service, so on and so forth. Yes. Like, is that something that you can can comment on? Where it's like, what are the maybe I guess like misinformation of people who are just being like, well, Justin Trudeau is doing enough for the environment, or or like you know like he's done enough you know what i mean like i think because they, they they play into it right like <laughs> they, they do say that they're like we're making a greener healthier canada what yeah. have you i mean it, so, I, like, I guess the first the part that's a bit hard is um you know it's kind of the, the the liberal party what they promise isn't what they you know what they actually do first of all no so their green promises are better than what they actually put into place as legislation <laughs> but secondarily even their promises aren't good enough and aren't mm -hmm. actually in line with the Paris Accords. Mm -hmm. They're they're rather tepid. Uh, the difficulty comes when when we say, "Oh, it's not enough." They say, "Oh, it is." You know, it's like like who to believe? Well, the Green Party has the science behind it. You know, we there have been a lot. There's been so much research done into these things. You know, like. Mm -hmm. There have been these gargantuan studies looking at the effects of climate change, and if the, when if the Liberal Party says that that this is enough, it it's absurd. Really, it's mm -hmm. absurd for them to be able to claim that they're like doing their part when it's absolutely inadequate. You know, like mm -hmm. this is the number one issue, and the, you know, there's been other issues that I think have been super relevant to this campaign, like housing. You know, this is really important to talk about, mm -hmm. like you know sustainable uh, you know like food and that kind of thing looking into those kinds of things indigenous sovereignty there's a lot of important issues but the climate because it is this just, just such a gargantuan problem it's like this has like, to be it, first it, and there, there's the there's the trickle down effect to, into all the other issues to be like you know like like housing and even just even just like a affordable um like a, affordable housing and so on and so forth like climate disasters really throw a wrench into that plan you know like it's just like yeah. if there's well, suddenly like rapid fire floods flash floods happening all over the place your affordable housing takes a hit and now you're at ground zero and you need to rebuild buildings that should not have been destroyed in a flash flood you know like like there's yeah. there's all of these and i always elements you know i get frustrated when people are like oh you're the green party you should just focus on the climate it's like no all these issues all all tie together, you know, in a big web, you know, like. And I mean, I think that, that that's that's I, I guess like having having read, I haven't read this year's platform, but having read previous Green Party platform statements, that I, I don't know if maybe in past history they were not as well won out. But I, I read when Robert was running, for instance, I read yeah. I read the platform that they were talking about, and I think that's you touch on an interesting point to be like fixing the issue is an 80 to 100 to 200 year kind of problem. And subsequently, we need to take all of those environmental issues in mind. But then you still need to worry about education and housing people and like distribution of wealth and all of that, because most of us are not going to be around to see if we succeed or not. We're going to have the rest of our lives and our bills to pay next year and all of that. So it does have to, I think, be both. You know, like you can't just say like, just like forget everything. We're only doing the environment. Everyone's going to be like, I I don't have a job right now, and I, yeah. I need some need some relief money, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you 
how do you consolidate? Because obviously I'm looking at your platform now and you guys have a section about agriculture, food, fisheries, rural revitalization, municipal affair, transports. These are, you guys can't just be a one issue party because if your yeah, goal is to uproot, like in your writing, the liberal party, right? How, what, yes. what kind of things can the, cause you mentioned like we want to win, right? And I think, I think in the Canadian political landscape where you have a lot of left-leaning parties or more liberal-based parties with the Green Party as yourself, you have the NDP, you have the Liberal Party. And then on the other end in of Quebec, the... Quebec, you even have the Bloc, which in is Quebec, also you have the Bloc, which Quebec, is yeah. Yeah, socially more closer to the left and everything like that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, how do you combat kind of this fear that if people don't... At least when I was growing up, the narrative for me before I studied politics was that if you don't vote for the Liberals the conservatives are going to sneak in and fuck up your shit. Well, at least in NDG, the answer to that question is easy. Mm-hmm. NDG, the conservatives don't have a... For sure. You know, they don't have a chance. Yeah. So for me personally, it's that the, the conservatives have never gotten enough of a vote share to win in any circumstance. You know, mm-hmm. you would and have I, to yeah, have five more... parties splitting the vote right. other than the conservatives yeah. for them to even be close. And I don't think they could even do it then. Let me check my math. I don't know that you need six other parties and you'd need right. them to all split really evenly. Right. But what about, so what about then, I, if I, I used to live in NDG and if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the conservatives got like under 5%. I totally, like, I, I understand. Vote. I live, yeah, yeah. I live in Ville St. Laurent where the liberals have not lost since 1980. I understand. Right. Yeah. So and it was, I think it was in that Dion sense, and D, it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dion. And then it was uh, Lombropolis and, these people haven't yeah. lost, but as if we if we pulled the lookout further than NDG Westmont, which is your writing, and you guys say we want to win and we want to do this, you want to top the 1.18 million votes you guys got last time. What needs to change or what needs to be pushed in a direction to make you guys a contender, essentially? Well, and I and I guess just to, to sorry Sam, but just to, just to follow up on that, and I think because I, I do want to get this in as a talking point before we end, is that there has been a change in leadership and stuff for the green party. So you you guys are headed in like, well, obviously the environmental issues there, but you are headed in a new direction. It's, it is new leadership and stuff. So just to expand on what Lawrence was saying. And I think the green party has really expanded their platform in the last, well, in 2019, as well as in 2021, like you said, the platform has become far more all encompassing of Canadian issues. And I think as more and more people realize what the green party is proposing the green party will gain in strength again and again it it is more difficult in some writings where that kind of vote splitting is more of a a risk i will admit like as if i were in a writing where the conservatives and the liberals were neck and neck i would it would be a much harder decision Mm -hmm. because i you know i am not a fan of the liberal party but i certainly don't want the conservatives to win well, you I know. mean, yeah, exactly. Like that that is I mean, I know we're we're talking about Quebec, but like the the left vote split is what ultimately landed the Harper government into a position of power in Ontario, right? Like yeah. <laughs> like just, and... just fortunately though, I guess for for listeners, most of our listeners are in Quebec. That didn't get the conservatives more seats in Quebec, as you were saying. Yeah. Like, in like, Quebec, like that, that was really an Ontario situation. <laughs> like, they try their pushes at Quebec sometimes, but I just don't think that it's going to stick here ever. To be honest, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't think. It, 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 hey, watch me get proven wrong, but I really, I don't think it appeals to Quebecers very much, just because the mm-hmm. party is ext- 
extremely anglophone you know yeah yeah no there um, I, I i can't imagine the conservatives landing well, many if any seats just in, and, in any uh, year who knows further on that point about vote splitting though is that justin trudeau in 2015 promised election reform oh yeah i remember that kind of web survey that i did that kind of didn't answer any questions then he was like see you don't want it and i was like what yeah that, that so, was that was that was his vote uh representational voting platform was a, a confusing internet survey that resulted in nothing and he said I it proved his point i wouldn't say i believe in no like direct representation because i think it can be really important to have mm -hmm. candidates that are connected to their communities you know mm -hmm. and i think the green party is really good at in some ways fielding candidates were very close with their community. you know i lived in ndg since i was two years old my entire basically my entire life right like mm -hmm. I, I i know this writing incredibly well i love this writing and and i'm able to be very connected to the community so mm -hmm. some kind of rep uh, of representation in that sense is good but a degree of proportional representation it's it's not going to be a simple process mm -hmm. or perhaps even a ranked choice voting might be mm -hmm. something to to consider which mm -hmm. i uh, i did with for the green party leadership campaign and i have to say it's wonderful it yeah. only gives the voter more freedom there's and, even, I, and I, I think there's no downside more that in north america the, the recent I want to say New York mayoral or gov or gubernatorial. One of the New York state, either New York state or New York city elections was a ranked yep. voting. The like, state of Maine has implemented yeah. ranked choice voting for mm -hmm. all levels. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just gives the voter more freedom. It does, you know, force you to learn more about politics, but honestly, people probably should, if our democracy is going to function, <laughs> I know it's, it's exhausting and it's difficult, but that's honestly what these structures want. They mm -hmm. want you to be exasperated and they want you to think, oh, it's too complicated to look into all of this. But if our democracy is going to continue and function in a, in a healthy way, I think ranked choice is really important. And get it, you know, it forces people to think more. It forces people to do more research. Uh, I'm also, I, this is another point, just in terms of like the strength of our democracy. I'm becoming increasingly concerned with, the amount of promises our political parties are making that are really not being delivered upon. The Liberal Party in 2015 promised so much. I was yeah. excited about a lot of what they were promising, you know, and I wasn't ever a liberal supporter, but a lot of what they were saying was exciting. And we well, have electoral, seen... electoral reform, like, like just this, like yeah. almost like single handedly, if electoral reform had happened in a meaningful way, that would have changed Canadian democracy, like forever. for the better, forever. You yeah. know, like like in in a, in a positive way. And, and it was just sort of like, how many people who were maybe on the fence about Green, on the fence about NDG, NDP, whatever, whatever they might have been like, were like, you know what? We can give the Liberals their majority this time because they're going to deliver electoral reform. And it's like Canada has um, some amazing protections of our democratic system. The mm -hmm. donation limit is amazing it completely stops people from having these you know like super like massive donors it's mm -hmm. a fantastic yeah, exactly, thing. Like, the short election period and the heavy restrictions on on your like what you how you can advertise it's wonderful these are these are systems that really keep our keep our democracy clean in a lot of ways and mm -hmm. i think um you know ranked choice would be a, a massive step towards just 
keeping our democracy robust. Like at, at, at the ver- it's, it's one of those things where it's like, and I think it's always been the issue. Uh, we don't have too much more time before we transition over to five questions, but I think it's always been the issue of the like first past the post writing system is you never really get the impression that you're, you're really representing the voter. And I mean, like we, we referenced it, the conservative majority, right? Where it was like, there were writings in Ontario where with 30% of the popular vote, they got the seat and then got a majority government based on oh. it. So as soon as you're looking at that as the, as the, as the voter, as the, 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 the little guy with my one vote, you're like, wait a second, this, that you're like, this doesn't make any sense. And it's not representing people. Yeah. You know? That is actually the exact reason why Maine switched to ranked choice. There was an election in which the Republican won with 34 or 33% because mm-hmm. the other two split very nicely at 32 and 32. Yeah. And people were like, okay, we can't have this happen again. You know, like this is, and I love that Canada has more than two parties. I think it's wonderful, but mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't feel like you have the freedom to vote even with that. Right. And yeah, I think exactly. And especially, like I said, when when the outcome could literally be seventy percent of the population, like like I said, I I could I could only imagine the like, like I I was furious that the conservatives got a majority anyway, but I could only imagine like the fury of living in one of those ridings, where you're like seventy, so like me and my neighbors and everyone, seventy percent of the people around me at least yeah. voted left leaning in some degree because it was it was green ndp and liberal is where 70% of us lean and and the conservatives were on the complete opposite end of that spectrum and somehow yeah. they were like we got the seat we're going to ottawa and you're like what is going on like this is not what we it doesn't work. wanted <laughs> it, you know it, it just does it feels it, it is it's so frustrating to see that kind of thing happen but like i said ranked choice is wonderful um, and also, I don't know, accountability in Canadian politics right now, I think is one of the reasons the Green Party is so important, mm-hmm. is we need people to call the Liberals out. We need to pressure the Liberals for their lack of action on, on a lot of these issues. Every every Green vote is a voice saying, you're not doing enough. You know, mm-hmm. Every Green vote is saying, you know, even if the Greens don't win, if they get a strong showing, the Liberal Party has to look at that and say, all right, what are we not doing? You know, why are we losing these voters to the Green Party? Mm-hmm. So I think a Green vote is never a wasted one because mm-hmm. it does put that pressure on the Liberal Party to actually act. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 if only in the most like, even with the most sinister intentions, right? Like like you were, you're like, if, if, a, if a Green... Uh, if a green representative say comes close to beating a liberal candidate, the liberal candidate then needs to be like, well, I need to be more green next time to to make sure I don't lose next time. Like, so exactly. it's like even even with even with like a sinister, power hungry intention, every green vote still will like force them to put green yeah. uh, like environmental issues into their platforms just so that they can win next time. Yeah, <laughs> that was the most mind boggling thing about like climate politics. Are the people who are like, ah, oh, I don't know if I believe cli- climate change. What's the worst case scenario? Like you clean up the air and the water. Like what's the worst case scenario? Ah, oh, fuck. We spent all this time cleaning up the air and water and our food. What yeah, a bunch of it's... idiots we are. Like I don't know. I never understood <laughs> that logic. Or, I mean, just in regards of like investing in green technology instead of the 
the oil industry. Let's pretend that they're, well, let's ignore emissions for a moment. A lot of think tanks are not investing in oil anymore because its days are numbered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From a purely financial perspective, we it's need a finite to like, resource that we're running out of. It's, and Period. it's becoming less and less popular. Also, the tar sands are a terrible way to extract oil. Even if you like oil, it's a, it's incredibly wasteful and extremely yeah. low like yield. And if yeah, it, had, it wasn't subsidized, it would be completely not financially viable. But mm-hmm. even apart from that, like people aren't investing in oil in the same way they have because the you know the end is in sight for a lot of so just from a financial perspective shouldn't we get ahead of the curve and start investing in these new technologies yeah. you know change our oil refineries into production of solar into production of wind mm-hmm. power you know yeah. let's well, look there was more a, into there... geothermal you might know this more than i do sam because I, I i remember hearing or reading about like there was a massive like green industry summit. I want to say in the last week or two, and it's like all the like the list of companies there would kind of like shock you in terms of like because at this point, like you said, they're, they're just they're just interested in money and they're not seeing money in oil the same way. Yeah. And it's like it's yeah. it's like I, I don't, <laughs> you're kind of like you're like we you. they got to the table for the most <laughs> shitty reasons imaginable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but they're at the table right now. now I don't believe for it's... a second these companies are doing something altruistic because they give a shit about the environment. I think they're seeing in the future their bottom line being affected, and they're like, it's time to get ahead of this before. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, look, up. you know, on. The cl- the economy is always on people's minds, right? Mm-hmm. We live in our in these capitalist structures that mean that we need capital to you know live. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, it it just from that like point of reason, it, I think it's a very powerful angle to take, which is just that this is a financially responsible decision. These transitions. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we... it's just like it's like someone was like talking about like like you know like I worked in the like so there was like a, a joke or whatever where I was like like my grandfather worked in the coal mine and like my father worked there and I worked there and my son's gonna work there and you're like you know the mine is not gonna last for like eventually yeah. there won't be a mine anymore so yeah. like what are you talking about that you think that your son is gonna work like you're mining things out of the earth eventually it'll stop being there like yeah. you're, you're, i mean you're, you're... <laughs> huma- humans are almost like hardwired to resist change though it'd be very difficult right and i think there's some biological reasoning behind that because things being different you know we don't like that because it's mm-hmm. unexpected it's you know it's we, we can't predict it as well so it's dangerous to us from from a, like a biological perspective mm-hmm. i'm not sure not sure all the science on that one <laughs> <laughs> But but it does it does intuitively make sense, right? Yeah. So people do resist change just, and sometimes it's it's like I said, it's hard to blame these people for for their resisting of, of these new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. What's new can be scary, you know. It's it's the unknown, and we we do fear the unknown. Mm-hmm. But getting people to embrace this change, I think, is is really important, and becoming more open to the you know, the idea that the world is changing. You know, and and mm-hmm. we need to adapt as humans. You know what, and it's it's good for us to you know it's a good thing for us to shift what we talk about in politics, right? Mm-hmm. One a, a simple example is how um, like gay marriage was. This is more in the states than in Canada, mm-hmm. but gay marriage was a you know, large large argument for a while, and the the conversation has shifted over to trans rights in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, right? As as one of the main focuses, mm-hmm. and I think that's wonderful. 
right? It's that we we accomplish something and then we are looking to accomplish more, right? Yeah. We want to protect more groups of people. We want yeah. to give greater equality. We want to be more sustainable. Yeah, it's, will, like, it's, like one of the, it's one of those things, I, 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 again, just re reading this thing where it's like you have the, the, the right wing guy to being like, what, so it's going to be like equal rights for like everyone? And you're like, yeah, kind of. That's that's pretty much the exactly. goal. Yeah, like we'll go already. one group at a time and work our way down the list. And then yeah. when we get there, that's a good thing. Like it, it's it's there's no mission accomplished until we all have equal rights. That, yeah. that's, and in some that ways, is actually the goal of going down the list now. In some ways, like... I don't, I don't mean this in every realm, but we will always need to be pushing for, for you know, for change, you know, and I, unless we achieve absolute utopia, which I don't believe is really possible. Star Trek says otherwise. We're going to do it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we're going to reach the stars and we're going to become the utopian society. <laughs> At the very least, you know, it's a pretty darn long way away. So... <laughs> So you know, like I think it's I think it's good for people to to increasingly get into this kind of mindset of yeah things. I, I, I do I do agree. Like it's better? it's very it's it's just it's very funny to me, and I think just like how much sort of speculative fiction. I think that like Star Trek is one of the like only ones where we like land right. Like if you look most of the time, it's like post apocalyptic or like a complete dystopia or like most of our our speculative like future fiction rarely is like and then the humans got it all right and sorted their shit out like One that of, is so rarely the 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 like the plot of science fiction i think we're probably near the end of this and yeah so one of one of i'll just briefly one of my favorite science fiction novels is kurt vonnegut's player piano mm -hmm. i don't know if either of you've read it I, i've read quite a bit of vonnegut but that one is not ringing a bell it's so. his first oh and okay. it's not quite as entrenched in his style as some of that you see it's interesting it's always fun reading you know or watching the movies of a, the early films of a director or watching mm -hmm. early, reading an early book um but it's about a sort of utopia where everybody is cared for by the state but most people don't have jobs because everything has been automated mm -hmm. and the main jobs are just engineers whose job it is to make sure that all the automation you know stays working which is like a genuine fear of a lot of people like right now and people in the book are really really unhappy you know mm -hmm. like because they they don't have anything to do you know it's not enough to just be cared for some purpose is required as well i i mm -hmm. I, I really recommend the book it's it's very it's got vonnegut's wit and mm -hmm. it's very it's very good um but yeah it's like i said i think we we will just need to push for a very long time to make things better and better you know yeah absolutely. and we really need to be open to that so sam lawrence ready for five questions yeah please? i was just about to say sam you're, you're you're you were right on the money we are uh coming to a close uh, one of the go plug yourself traditions is we always ask a final five questions of our guest of the week the fifth question is we're going to ask you to come up with a question for our next guest and you don't know who they are last podcast we asked someone who didn't know you were coming on to ask a question of you so we're going to run through these five questions question number one what do your questions. thoughts sound like 
These questions are wild, Sam. Just a fair one. It warning. varies a lot. There's a <laughs> okay. lot of people up there, uh-huh. and they have different voices based on what a what it is. You know. Oh, so you have like internal dialogue. Like you'll 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 speak with yourself. Yeah. It's not just a monologue. Like, there's a dialogue. No, full conversations, on. and there's different different people talking up there who have different different sides. I guess. Oh. I hope that doesn't sound too crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I think that's a first. Though. No, I think no, that's no, the no. first. Po- a lot of people said like monologue. Go ahead, Lawrence. Oh, no, I was going to say, I'm not sure if it's the first. I think we, maybe one of the people from the FAR Festival had a similar answer. Maybe. Leah, I think. Possibly. Possibly. I don't okay. Know. Okay. Interesting. Uh, question number two. What was your favorite thing to eat as a child? Uh, could be a meal, could be a snack. So it's like, the, it could be a candy, could be just like the favorite like it thing was. as a kid peanut butter sandwiches i was a very picky eater and i Crunchy, would always be plied with a peanut butter sandwich whenever i didn't want whatever it was that was being served so now yeah exactly crunchy smooth and bread type are my follow-ups uh smooth and white bread you know very like a classic. wonder bread like like the, like, a, like, yeah. a, like the chewy white bread like yep, the white yep, bread yep, that's yep, got yep, like yep. nice <laughs> it, is, it is the classic peanut butter sandwich Mm-hmm. What like were you uh, uh did you eat further question did crusts no crusts crust crusts crust yeah crusts are good okay so you weren't that picky I was picky I I'm saying because I think that's like the epitome of picky if you're like I will only eat this peanut butter sandwich on this white bread creamy peanut butter with the crusts cut off like I feel any kid that like cut the crusts off I was like that that's picky like I, I remember I I think it was like one of my one of my friends or whatever, like my mom just made a sandwiches and she was he and he was like, Can you cut the crusts off? And my mom was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> like like just like what are you saying? This is bread. Like why are you removing part of it? And then like I think the 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 it the denouement of that story was the kid just like ate around the crust and just left the crust behind. For sure. And my mom was like, There is no way I'm cutting crusts off of your sandwich. Why are we here? Like, I just made you a sandwich. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the pickiest. Any kid that demands to have like crusts cut off their sandwich. <laughs> no, not that bad, but I was pretty yeah. picky. Not these yeah. days, not at all. But question number three What is the best or worst thing about growing up? Um, I guess I think I think this is actually best and worst. Oh. is um well the responsibility of it you know it's 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 terrifying and slightly crushing but also you know i i, I sometimes forget this but i'm an adult and i can make decisions you know yeah, i'm not reliant like- on other people to i this has been funny in the campaign since i before that worked for people on campaigns and there have been moments on the campaign where i'm like all right, now, who do I ask permission to do this? No, 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 you're the guy now. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what should I do for this? Oh, yeah, I decide that. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's it's scary, but also it's, it's wonderful. You know, yeah, like I the have same, that, the same thing agency. that gives you that, like, crushing, yeah, exactly, the eight, like I was going to say, the same, like, crushing amount of responsibility that can be overwhelming is still, like, an amount of agency that you don't have as a kid, where yeah. you're like, I, I decide at what what's going to happen now. I guess, yeah, like, the the freedom is is would be a similar answer to that right the freedom that comes with being an adult too where you have to make these decisions but you know i wouldn't have it any other way i love yeah i am i would i would consider myself pretty 
you know, individualistic in some ways, you know, mm -hmm. uh, into personal freedoms and all that. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, question number four comes to us from uh, Jonathan Bouchard, also known as Jubby, who uh, is on CBC's uh, television reality show that I believe is airing now uh, called Race Against the Tide, which is a show that is, is fascinating in general. It's professional sand sculptors that have to perform like these massive sand sculptures in the Bay of Fundy before the like 10, 15 foot Bay of Fundy tides like hit and just like take them out. Oh, that's so cute. I love it. Which is which is amazing. And even and even he was saying he was like he hadn't seen all of the all of the, the end footage, but he was just sort of like he's like, it's so rare that we get to see these like sand sculptures just get like obliterated because he's like, that's not where we build them. Typically, yeah. we build them somewhere where people are going to, you know, see them for like a couple days or whatever. So he's like, he's like, I haven't seen all the footage of the tides coming in like that fast, that high and just like wrecking these sculptures and he was like i'm looking forward to watching some of the stuff because he's like we didn't get to see it because he's like we would do the sculptures we would do the judging and then you need to like get out of there it's very dangerous so he's like at best you know we could see them from the like the cliffs sort of overlooking seeing it far but oh, they had so, like that must be had, so interesting as an artist to see your work be destroyed like that <laughs> yeah exactly it was very, it was interesting talking to him too because he, he does talk about like just like as a sand sculpture just like the nature of fleeting art because he, he sculpts in other mediums as well also other fleeting mediums like snow and ice and stuff like that but he also does like steel and stuff and he's like it's such a different mindset when you're like oh yeah this is gonna get destroyed there's no way there's no two ways about it and then he's like and then there was this thing that's on cbc where it's gonna get destroyed today <laughs> he's like everything that i'm doing today is getting taken out by the bay of fundy like today <laughs> like so anyway um his question was pretty lighthearted all the same uh he wanted to know is what is special about your favorite socks um i have a couple different pairs oh <laughs> so i mean i don't, they're i think they're fun i've got some with octopi on them which is i guess so I hear I have, I have a question then. Uh, are you going to be doing, are you doing a debate? Yep, doing a debate um, on the 14th. What socks will you wear to the debate? Ooh. Probably the, either, well, here I was saying either the octopus socks, which are pretty great, mm -hmm. or I've got some that's a unicorn fighting a narwhal. And they're like oh, sword fighting. Crossing horns. Their, yeah. yeah. So those ones are pretty good too. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got pirate tiger socks, which are also pretty good. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, were, they, were these gifts? Were these were these things you bought uh, yourself? The first one was a gift. The other two I purchased for myself. Uh, nice. And so, was, I was gonna say, question go number five is: What question do you want us to ask your next guest, who we don't know who is gonna be? Hmm. Putting you on the um, hot seat, Sam. <laughs> Sink or swim. I'll keep it. I'll keep it light since I have no idea who okay. it is. Okay. I don't. Okay. It's a sound strategy. Um, probably. What's your favorite? What 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 cult hit would you recommend? Either music or film, you know. What's something that you don't think a lot of people will have heard of, or has perhaps been, you know, not you know, might be a little oh, out there. That's fair. What cult and hit from my, would you I, I can recommend? answer that. Please. I was actually just watching some clips of this before your show. Mm -hmm. Is the 1966 Batman and Robin? Okay. Which is. Shark repellent. Get shark repellent. Yeah, shark some, days, repellent. Some, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Exactly. I was watching the some days you can't just can't get rid of a bomb. I I love the movie. It's so funny. 
the the mm-hmm. writing is just so silly and lovely. And no, um, the Flash Gordon series movie just, from the yeah. from nineteen eighty. Not the most; those aren't the most obscure of things, but they're two that I think bring a lot of joy. Uh, the Flash Gordon movie is actually pretty bad, but yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. And if you're into that Batman, sort of like, Batman, though, like the the Batman sixties like TV series and film are much 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 fun because when you're when you're a kid, you're just like ah, this is just zany. When you go back and watch them as an adult, you're like oh no, this is like clever and witty and there's wordplay and yeah. like there was a, a group of writers that were putting in way more effort than they had to to sell that product yeah and it flash gordon on the other hand no, like, flash gordon is not on that same level of writing no. <laughs> like... but the, no not at all but i i don't know uh, that's just that's what's on my mind since i was just watching this some days you just can't get rid of a bo- it's just some it's days so absurd yeah it's amazing <laughs> and i love it i have the the one i have at the tip of my tongue uh, or at like the tip of my forehead i guess whatever is the one i just saw i recently saw um at montreal's fantasia festival a film called beyond the infinite two minutes Uh, and it's a film where a guy uh lives a in an apartment above the cafe where he works and he basically finds that the tell like his tv in his apartment is a live feed of the cafe downstairs two minutes in the future and and then they basically like play with that for about an hour and a half in like the tightest like it's also perfectly timed (laughs) so it's like if someone's is saying something downstairs you could set a stopwatch that two minutes later in the film they will be downstairs saying that you gotta appreciate that level of detail yeah exactly like like i guess it's it's perfect like if you look at some of the like i mean not to say that that's necessarily available but if you look at even just like fantasia kind of talked about it the making of they were like they had timers and stuff on set to make sure that it was perfectly timed and when you're watching it you wouldn't know (laughs) if it was or not but like it is also has that attention of detail and is like super cute super charming and just like it's it's not it's shot as though it is a single take uh there's a couple of i guess like cinematographic like tricks I don't think it was a single take. They didn't do this perfectly in an hour and a half, but it is like virtually impossible. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It it was shot to give the illusion of a single take. Like it's like the camera follows the cast around. I don't know how or when this movie could get distribution, but I was like, it is a movie that you could like watch with your girlfriend, watch with your parents, watch with kids. Like there, it it is a universal movie that anybody could watch. And it's like super charming and super fun. Actually, maybe I will mention just one more because I remember this from Fantasia. Those two just came off the top of my head, but I don't know if you guys ever saw Turbo Kid. I think it's actually Quebec. Quebec Quebec Turbo Kid. We almost had them on the show and then it like weirdly fell through. Like through no fault of their own or whatever. It was like a scheduling thing. We were supposed to have the the Turbo Kid guys on the show. It's uh, that movie just also just brings me joy in a different way. I Mm -hmm. I thoroughly enjoy it. Lawrence, deep, deep cult cuts. Uh, mine is a is a is a, a movie I only watched recently for the first time. It's called Phantom of Paradise. It's like a okay. it's like a rock opera make of uh, Phantom of the Opera. And it's okay. like a, it, instead of it being like a phantom and an opera singer, it's a, like a rock and roll tycoon. And it mm-hmm. was just I researched it and apparently it like bombed horribly, but then it had like a cult resurgence. Uh, phantom of the Paradise. And it was just so much good, fun. Like it, was, it was campy and weird. I can't say that it was good, but it was entertaining. I can't say that yeah, I was like, this is a enjoyable, good film. It's enjoyable, I'm sure. 
but I was ca- I was fucking captivated. I could not look away. I was not on my phone. I had to pay attention to everything that was happening the entire time, and it was an experience. So if that's something you're looking for, Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, for sure. I will right. also say, oh, since cool. we did not talk about wrestling, if no. this was a few years ago, yeah. I would say Chikara. <laughs> Chikara Pro Wrestling. But now, no, they're canceled. Mean, they got B2'd. We don't, we don't support that. No. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, but just as a as a product, just having like weird superhero and like time travel elements in yeah. the world of pro wrestling and yeah. like and all of that, just like like really taking pro wrestling as a concept and running with it. But like, as Lauren said, it's it, it variety of people who were involved were not good, not good people, so on and so forth. But mm. that that yeah, it was a bunch of people were good. There there were like there were a lot of workers and stuff who were fine in it. It wasn't like yeah. the entire structure was awful. Just some of the people who were running it turned out to be shitheads. So, yeah. Shitty people. Unfortunately. So yeah. yes. Thanks for the recommendations. Uh, no problem. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So, I mean I guess like the big the big message is obviously to uh, go vote. vote. Go vote. vote. And yeah. a green vote does matter. Mm-hmm. You know? Why well, just vote any does vote matter. does matter. It makes a difference. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where it's like the 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 right to complain about how things are is drastically diminished if you're not voting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually George <laughs> I mean, Car- people love complaining about the way George, things are. George Carlin said the opposite. George Carlin mm-hmm. said that, you know, I, I'm allowed to complain because I didn't vote for these fucking people. Yeah, I didn't vote for any of these idiots. I didn't so vote for I, these I fucking people. About- I can bitch I mean, about all I want. <laughs> I guess from my answer to that is, you know, if you don't like anybody in politics, get into politics. Get into politics. That's true. That is true. If you don't like feel as though the story of Sam uh, of Sam Fairbrother was, I don't like the things that are going. I'm going to get involved in this political group, and yeah. there you go. You're going to be up and there. I did find people I did like. You're going to be you're going to you be know. up there in a debate, and you're going to be like, look, a fortune cookie told me to be here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right, who here can deny the cosmic powers yeah, of the force? You don't believe. You don't believe. Are we going to be in a? Fr- are you going to? It's an interesting angle. It's an interesting angle. I'll I'll think about that and see how how that's gonna you know. And then promptly look, that's at, gonna pan look out. at Mark Garneau and ask him to concede. Be like, you've been to space, but space is on my side, motherfucker. And then you just let it. <laughs> You just let it stay in the air. Don't don't even react. Don't say anything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh um Sam, good luck in the debates. Thank you very uh, much. Good luck, uh obviously in the election. And obviously good luck uh, as you as you mentioned, you are a young, uh politically motivated uh, environmentalist. So uh, what I what I imagine is gonna be a, a long career in the world of environmentalism. Uh I hope so. Yeah. So uh, I... thank you so much, Sam. Yeah. Thank you guys for perfect. having me. I'm gonna perfect. head out to Honey's for trivia night. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend that, just texted that's... me that they need help. So. Oh no. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, hurts sometimes. So have a good night, guys. Yeah. Don't Thank close. Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, Thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy Facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street. Uh, We really have to rely on word of mouth, which uh, basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show, 
please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just p- people that have stuff to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a, it's a fun show. We, we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over 200 episodes and uh, it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show at all you can go to uh, patreon.com slash nine to five cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way it really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part we're really not trying to make a profit on this um, and also if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show you can uh, contact us either on facebook or on twitter there's a bunch of ways to find us uh, and uh, and let us know and if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out maybe you can be the next person who uh, comes on the show and uh, plugs something a uh, big thank you as always to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude who provided our theme songs and of course a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show uh, Walter J. Ling who is technically retired but still sometimes hosts uh, Christopher Vendito, Lawrence Korber and uh, Ines Anaya uh, all, are all amazing co-hosts and you should support them and their comedy and uh, and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening thank you for choosing Go Plug Yourself uh, as one of your from the millions of podcasts and have a beautiful day thank you 905.cc podcast blogs and comics made in montreal since 2011